Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. <clears throat> and my name is... <clears throat> and my name is Jeff. Jeff is dying, everybody, just so you know. <laughs> no, Jeff is uh, Jeff is actually feeling a lot better this well, week. He's so. dying in the same way that we are all dying. <laughs> we are all... Don't remind me of that, Gabe. <laughs> we are all taking our, our inexorable march towards death one step at a time. Wow, way to start the podcast. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yes, thank you for joining us. Uh, today, we're going to answer your questions, but first... I have a question for you, Jeff. Yeah, what is that? How are you doing today? I, I believe I've already <laughs> answered that, Gabe. Jeez. Gosh. Sorry, then. Uh, <laughs> um, what did you eat for lunch today? Um, ooh, I had, well, I don't want to, I don't want to bash Wendy's because I like Wendy's, but I had some not so great Wendy's. You today. heard it here, folks. <laughs> Jeff hates Wendy's. Boycott Wendy's. No, no, no. Wendy's, Wendy's is, Wendy's is pretty decent as far as fast food goes. Yeah. It's not bad. They have square burgers. It's fine. It's fresh, never frozen. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. But it was, it was like, it was the Wendy's that's near my work's new location. And it's and like, there's not a lot of good places to eat in, in, where, where my work is now. And yeah. This Wendy's is no exception because it was just like it was everything was just not good. Sure. Everything was soggy and cold. It was just oh, I man. feel like most of the time when I go not to again, not to bash not Wendy's, to bash but I feel Wendy's. like most of the time when I go to Wendy's, everything is soggy. I mean, you know, the fast foods are like mostly like franchises and stuff. So it's really hit and miss. Like sometimes you, you find one that is just like you get fresh every time. Mm hmm. But a lot, a lot of, a lot of fast food is going to, you're, you're going to run the risk of getting some soggy nuggets Yeah, and they're not good. That phrase. Sorry. I, I had, I ate soggy nugget nuggets today. What are you going to do? Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Just not ever say the word soggy, soggy nuggets. nuggets ever again. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> So I've been uh, 3D printing a whole bunch of stuff. I, yeah. I know I've talked about that previous episodes. I've been 3D printing lightsabers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one have, of my coworkers. collection over here. I do have a collection. One of my coworkers from, from work, I guess, has been uh, um, has been purchasing some of them. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Uh, and I've, I've been seeing people on like eBay and stuff selling ones that are, you know, maybe a little bit better quality than the ones that I'm making. But like they are selling 3D printed lightsabers for like 80 or $90. Hmm. And I'm not going to charge that much, but like, I think I might, I might want to start selling these on <laughs> Facebook marketplace. Making something. something off it. Making yeah, something. Maybe. Yeah. yeah I don't know. At the very least just to pay back the, cause like this, this printer was fairly expensive. So sure. Yeah. If I could of... pay back that printer, that'd be pretty cool. Right. Yeah. And I can't, yeah, I can't imagine. I, I wouldn't want to sell something I 3d printed for that much. Like I'm already, su- cause I, I, I've, I, I've I've been selling these ones for I think I sold them to my coworker for like fifteen bucks each. Sure, and I already feel guilty for that because yeah. it's like I didn't do anything. I just I just right. downloaded a downloaded some. A I mean, file. you know, I use up about four or five dollars worth of materials and quite a bit of time. Yeah, like it's not no time. It's like the several like like what is one what does one take you? Like probably about twenty hours. Uh, twenty hours or so. Yeah. yeah. So like you know that's twenty hours you could be using it for something else. Yeah. And like, you know, and you have to assemble them and you're, That's you're, true. you're That's reprinting true. parts that don't come out right. And, yeah. You know. Um, I just, I just made Darth Vader's lightsaber mm-hmm. and the first time I printed it, I glued something on wrong and ruined half the pieces. Oh no. So I had to reprint sure. all of that. So yeah, you're like, you're, you're putting a little effort into it. It's not yeah. like, I don't think 15 is that is, is too much to ask for. Like yeah. it's a decent looking, they're decent looking pieces. That it, like you put them on like a little display thing. Yeah, as long as you don't like look really close at them, they right. look great. Like you know the, and I mean even if you look real close at them, you're like, oh okay, you, those those are three D printed, but they still look good. Sure, like, you can tell they're three D printed close up, but that's that doesn't really like make them look bad. Yeah. Also, I've been able to get my resin printer going, mm-hmm. and I've gotten some minis paint uh, printed on that. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. It is a lot more work. Yes. Using a resin printer than a, a filament printer. Yeah. It's, it's more, a little bit more daunting and like you get, you know, it's, it's smaller things. Like yeah. you can, you maybe do like a few minis at a time, mm-hmm. but you know, they turn out really good. Like the detail is really nice. I don't know. Like I, the, the few that I've, the few that I've done, I've been really happy with. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to print, you know, 
characters, monsters. The thing is, though, now I'm like, ooh, well, I need to find the best ones. I can't be printing. I can't be printing ones that are not right. 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 Yeah, you know, yeah. you want. Yeah. You want the, the best minis for your printer. Yeah. So I might I might start backing some some Patreons. Yeah. For people that make like really, really good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. There's a lot of good artists out there doing miniatures. So. Yeah. Um, there's there's a few I got my eye on that I actually kind of really excited to print out and paint. So cool. All right. Um, you want to go ahead and jump into this episode? What, what what's the episode about again? Oh, shoot. Oh, 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 oh Nowhere Man. Uh, Nineties <laughs> no, sci-fi. Nineties thriller. Nowhere that man. would take hours. <laughs> no, let's let's do it on uh, tabletop gaming. Okay, that right. sounds that sounds good. All right. Well, I have an idea for the first segment. What's that? All right, Jeff. I want you to imagine. <laughs> You're, um, you're walking down the street one day, Mm -hmm. you've just left your house, you're going for a walk and you go, you're kind of on the other side of your block and you start hearing like a, like a thumping, like a noise. Okay. And it's coming from one of the houses, like kind of behind, kind of like kitty corner to yours. All right. And you know, you, you sort of look in that direction you hear it again. What is that? What is that? And then you hear, <laughs> please help. <laughs> Gabe, Gabe's monster voice, uh, voices, um, they have a visual element to them. Yes. That I'm sure we've described before. I always put something in front of my mouth when, right. I, when I do a monster voice. Um, so yeah, some sort of a, a very large and fiery voice is, <laughs> is calling out for help. And it looks like, it sounds like it's coming from their garage. Mm. All right. Well, I, I should I should run over there to, to inspect because someone could need my help. Yeah, sure. Um, so you get over there and there's there's a, a big locked door Uh-oh. on this garage. And Uh-oh. you can hear that. You can hear it coming from the other side of that door. Uh, what are you going to do to open the door, Jeff? Um, or do you want to open the door? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try Yeah, I'm going to try and open the door. I'm going to. Is it? It's it, gonna... it. It is locked. All right. Uh, can, can I can I use? Can you use my my thieves tools? <laughs> sure. Give me a give me a dexterity check. Alrighty. What? Sorry, it keeps landing in that spot on the all right seven, the dice tower. Seventeen. That you can't see. Okay. Um. So you manage to to Jimmy open the um Jimmy or Sally yeah open th- open the door. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> and uh, behind you see a giant red dragon. Whoa. And he lets out a roar and some fire shoots out in all directions. And and then he he goes to grab you and pick you up. Uh, give me a... Oh, geez. Give me an acrobatics check to avoid being grappled. <laughs> Again. Oh, no. I, I, uh, I got an eight. Okay. So this dragon grabs you, lifts you up, and gives you a big old hug. And he says, thank you so much. I've been locked in there for like three hours. <laughs> I forgot. I just moved in, and I forgot my key inside. <laughs> I'm missing my favorite program. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, Dallas is on. <clears throat> Apparently, this takes place back in the 80s. Right. Yeah. Dallas the dragon on. watches reruns of Dallas. There you go. Um, so, in in exchange for freeing him from this uh, from from his garage, yeah, <laughs> uh, the dragon offers you a reward. And do you know where that reward is from, Jeff? Where, where did that come from? The Dragon's Horde. The Dragon's Reward from the Dragon's Horde. The Dragon's Reward. Maybe I could have done something like that. I don't know. Uh, So today's magic item was submitted by Arcanist Winterbrand via email. Mm -hmm. And the item is the Key of Ingression. Key of ingression. Ingression. I think, sorry, small nitpick here. It probably could have just been the key of ingress. Yeah. I don't know if ingression is a word, but hey, it's a magic item. Sure. Uh, give, you know, give it any uh, name you want. <laughs> qualish isn't a word either. That's, uh, so, you know. You know. I thought qualish was a name. Well, it is, but yeah. maybe ingression is a name yeah. too. <laughs> anyway, uh, this key requires attunement. And this key seems to be made of silver, but small glowing runes seem to float just off the surface. Mm. This key acts as the spell Leoman's secret chest, but without the chance of loss of the chest, as long as the key remains attuned to you. If you ever lose your attunement to the key, all items in the chest are ejected into the astral sea and are near irretrievable. Huh. 
What is, uh, how does the secret chest spell work? So uh, Leoma's secret chest is basically a spell that it creates like an extra dimensional chest that is physically on a different plane. Yeah. I think in the spell, it's the ethereal plane. Um, I'm not sure if this key means it to also be in the ethereal plane or if it's on the astral plane or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Whatever the case. Um, so you have this box, you can summon it kind of at will. When you cast a spell, you have a, has a material component that you interact with. And then um, you put things into it, you close the chest, and then it whisks away back to wherever it is. Right. But the drawback to the spell is that after 60 days of having this spell, because it's a permanent thing, uh-huh. you know, you, it is now there. It is a physical thing that is physically there. Right. Um, after 60 days, there is a cumulative 5% chance per day that the the spell ends. Oh. So... Um, uh, with with the the key of ingression, it would be permanent. It would be it would be permanent as long as you are attuned to it, which sure. I, I think is a pretty neat thing. However, if you lose attunement, it's gone. Right, which I think happens if you die. You I, I think if you die, you lose all attunement. I believe so. so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be that would make a lot of sense. For right. That, yeah. For that to be yeah, the yeah, case. yeah. Yeah. So if you die, whatever contents you had in there, which would be kind of neat. Like it, it's kind of neat because it's like a thing that you definitely don't want somebody to have. Yeah. You know, you could put it in there, and it's like, well, if I if somebody kills me, no one's gonna get their hands out of them, mm-hmm. um, unless they have like incredibly powerful, you know, plane walking magic or something. Sure, sure. Like, I, I I imagine probably some some wishes would be involved, right? Yeah, or something like that. At that point, you just wish to have the item or something. Yeah, pretty much. Well, here's the thing: what if there was an adventure where somebody had this key, uh-huh. put some stuff in the chest, put something important in the chest, and then they died. Right. And now you need to resurrect them to get that item back. Right. I don't I don't know if that's how this how attunement works. If you get resurrected, do you does it reattune suddenly to it? become reattuned? I don't know. But maybe for the purposes of this proposed sure. adventure. Yeah, yeah. They 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 need to they need the person's soul in order to like use some form of divination magic to find the item in the astral sea sure and then sure. go fetch it like they can't just go to the astral sea and use detect objects they have to like yeah they, they have to attune the divination spell to the object by by resurrecting the person or something yeah i think that could be a that could be a pretty That'd cool kind of neat pretty cool thing yeah i don't like i i like you know i like stuff that allows like pocket storage mm-hmm. uh things like portal like the portable hole yep. you know bag of holding what if you put a bag of holding in a portable hole or vice nothing versa? i'm gonna say right now nothing nothing happens. nothing happens okay i think that i've i've said it before i'll say it again <laughs> i think that the whole like oh rips a, a portal the after, you know rips the actual plane river. it's stupid it's that's just to stop people from being like oh i put a bag inside a bag inside a bag right. inside a mac right i'm gonna buy i'm gonna buy several portable holes yeah and and then because they fold up to basically the size of a handkerchief yeah. and just fill a bag of holding full of portable holes all of them filled with like sand or something yeah just because if you need a <laughs> lot of something it might as well be sand sure uh and then you use the move earth spell you know <laughs> A lot. I don't. I don't know. Sure. I'm trying to, <laughs> but that's not what this item does. That's not what this item is. <laughs> no. This is a. This is a cool, a little, cool little key item. Like yeah. this is. This is something I like having in like. This is. This sounds like a cool mod for like Minecraft or something. Absolutely. You yeah. know, you have a key that open that like creates a chest that you can mm-hmm. like just you can pop into existence anywhere so like when you're down in the in the caves and you find some diamonds you you throw down that chest put the diamonds in there and you don't have to worry about accidentally falling to, into lava and losing yeah, those diamonds yeah. you know that wasn't, kind of thing wasn't there a thing in world of warcraft that an engineer could make yes that was just a, like a vendor or it was um well, because like n- now it's now there's access to that stuff pretty easily, but yeah, there was a it was a engineer only thing that allowed you to create like a mailbox, and then eventually it was like yeah, there was like a vendor that I think could access your bank oh, as okay. well. I think, hmm. but yeah, like uh, but it was it was a yeah it was a craftable vendor that could like repair your gear and stuff like yeah. that. So like. They so were like you're in the middle of a dungeon. Yeah. Oh shoot, we all need to repair our stuff and get rid of some of this trash that we've picked up. Right. Let's you know instead of there having everybody split up and go back to town and come back again, which yeah. could take an hour because there's so many distractions That's, in that game. Yeah. You might you could just summon this guy, sell all the stuff, repair everything, and go right back to the dungeon. Yeah. Um, I think like 
I don't know if they still have it, but like the goblin race that was added in a, in a, a few expansions in, uh, like was able to summon a NPC that was a bank. Oh, okay. And it was just like a hobgoblin guy that would show up and you can access your bank every like hour and a half or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. Just has like a racial ability. Yep. Just as a racial mm-hmm. thing. I don't okay. know. If, I don't know if they still have access to that, but you know, it's been a long time since I played. That's neat. But like anything like that. Yeah. I don't see that being incredible. Like nothing like this is like incredibly overpowered unless yeah. your adventure involves like specifically like important items. Like, if this was, like, a one-ring situation. Yeah, and, like, you have to hide this thing so the bad guy can't get to it. Right, yeah. Like, okay. you're, you're not going to give your players access to something like this in, yeah. in, in that case, obviously. But other than, like, other than, like, it being specific to the adventure or the campaign, like, this sort of thing isn't going to be overpowered. Yeah. It's just a nice little, like, okay, we need to keep a stock of potions on hand at all times. Sure, sure. And we don't want to be carrying them around everywhere and accidentally, like, I don't know, do... do do spells like set off potions anymore? Like what? Like Mordenkainen's disjunction sort of thing. Oh, you, like there was like that thing where it like destroys all magical items and potions carried by the target or something ridiculous. Um. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there is magic that that destroys potions in this edition. For anybody not familiar with earlier editions, there was a spell called Mordenkainen's disjunction. That was an. Ex- it was a ninth level spell, and it basically created this big like it was like a fireball except anybody caught in the fireball anything that they had that was magical became non-magical so yeah. like magic weapons become a non-magical weapon yeah a bag of holding is just an ordinary bag uh you know uh, all your potions became just non-magical liquid right yeah all spell effects on you instantly ended yep all it, that kind of stuff it was just like it was a it was a game ender <laughs> like it was it was a big f you spell to use on players yeah. is, is what it was. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not fun because it's like okay, all the cool stuff you have, not cool anymore. Yeah, you know it's it's yeah, it was sort of a sort of a jerk move. Yeah, but but I think what you were proposing was that if you were afraid of that, you could put certain things in the bag before confronting the bad guy. Sure, so that those would be safe for the time being. However, well, yeah, maybe the key the would key. be. I don't know. Yeah, and it'd be lost forever, Jeff. Well, at least at least Sor- uh, you know Sauron couldn't get the uh, the one ring. That's true. Stuck in the astral sea. Yeah. Unless he has a way in there, he'd find a way. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that's all we got for for this magic item. So okay. once again, that was the key of ingression from Arcanist Winterbrand via email. Uh, so Jeff, if anybody else wanted to submit magic items for us to discuss in the Dragon's Horde. Or if they had a funeral pyre story of a character death, or if they had discussion questions for us to cover in our main main segment, how would they get those to us? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com or join us on our interparty discord at bit.ly slash interparty discord. That's correct. And before we go any further, we have a giveaway today. Ooh. We're giving away a copy of Unearth Tips and Tricks Volume One, courtesy of Crit Academy. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, who is our winner of this awesome supplement today? Our winner today is Bill G. Whoa, 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 winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yes, congratulations, Bill G. You should be getting that in your email within the next couple days. Be sure to leave Crit Academy a review so they can uh, get more attention to their products. I think this is a great product. I helped make it. Mm -hmm. Actually, sorry, I didn't say what it is. For anybody not familiar (laughs) with what it is, Unearthed Tips and Tricks Volume 1 is a collection of uh, character concepts and counter concepts, DM tips, player tips, magic items, and monster variants from the uh, the great podcast Crit Academy. Mm-hmm. It's got 25 of each of those. Um, I helped write it. I'm currently helping work on volume two at the moment. Yep. So um, that'll probably be out sometime later this year. So yeah, it's a, it's a great supplement. It's full of tons and tons of ideas, full of great stuff, and, uh, and it's from some great guys, Crit Academy. So... Um, so yeah, Jeff, if anybody else wanted to be like Bill G and they wanted to win this supplement in a future episode, how would they enter the drawing? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com with unearthed tips and tricks in the subject line. That's correct. So yeah, like I said, Bill G, please leave them a review. And also if you have any specific, uh, comments, you can send those to me as well so that it might uh, influence what goes into volume two. So, um, Yeah. So thank you to Crit Academy for setting up this uh, this wonderful giveaway that we've got going on. And uh, thank you for everybody who has entered. 
And then uh, I also want to thank all of our wonderful patrons who have helped make the show possible. Patreon is an online platform where you can pledge to donate a certain amount of money per month to the creator of your choice and get some cool stuff in return. And if you go to patreon.com slash interpartyconflict, we have a, uh, a, a campaign of our own. On there, we've got some outtakes. We've got fantasy fiction that I wrote. We've got some of those I've been making into audio format. I'm going to be trying to come out with one of those again pretty soon. Mm-hmm. We've also got a monthly bonus podcast uh, for for a couple of the tiers. Yep. And we also have a Roll20 game, and we're going to be doing our Roll20 game for the top tier in just a couple of weeks as of this recording. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to be following after the Eberron game that we did uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. So yeah, I've got some some cool stuff planned, and that should be a lot of fun. So if you would like to, if you like the podcast, and if, and if you'd like to help out the show and get some cool stuff in return, go to patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. See if you can uh, look at all the rewards, see if anything appeals to you. And, you know, you can help out the show and get some some rewards for it and help everything, uh, help us keep the lights on. Yep. All right. And then just one more quick thing. Check out the other podcasts on the Crit Nation Fellowship. We already mentioned Crit Academy, critacademy.com. It's a great podcast where Justin, Ian, and Brandon create new and reusable content for players and DMs alike. Um, we were actually on an episode of theirs that should be coming out pretty soon. Oh, is that coming out soon? It should be because okay. I, I know they record a few weeks ahead of time. And yeah. I think it's been like six episodes or something since sure. we recorded this. So I, I think it'll be coming out pretty soon. Okay. Um, yeah. So check them out. CritAcademy.com. Also check out Brute Force and Ignorance. Uh, they are an actual play podcast on the network. And I think they're going to be starting another campaign soon. Okay. I, I think they're Amelie's Astounding Adventures one. Ended a little while ago, and I think they're starting a new one. Okay. I hope I'm not wrong about that. <laughs> Whatever the case, go check them out. There's some some great guys. Uh, we had uh, a couple of them on. We had Dan and Jake on our podcast a few months ago. Right. So, yeah, great stuff there. Check them out, Brute Force and Ignorance. And also check out Garen and Dan on D&D Character Lab. They made characters every week and pitted them against each other to debate whose characters were better. Enough of that. Let's get into some questions. All right, our first question comes from Michael T. on email, and they ask, how much backstory would you say is too much? That's a good question, because I'm sure, I mean, I've definitely been there. I don't know if you've been there, Jeff, uh-huh. uh, where you're you're so excited to start a campaign that you start thinking about your character. Uh-huh. Next thing you know, you've got like a 10-page backstory, <sighs> and you, you want everyone to read it. You want everyone to know right. what your character is all about. How much is too much? Well... See, I, I have I have a similar problem, but it's not backstories. It's more in the opposite direction of like I think too far ahead as far okay. as what my want my character to do, yeah, and be able to do. And like I think like twenty levels ahead, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna be doing this, and it's gonna be great. And he's gonna be this kind of a character, and yeah, and it's like, well, you'll never get there because you don't have time to play. So <laughs> right. like, so really, too much is like I guess. If you're having fun mm-hmm. making the backstory, yeah, there isn't too much. Sure, Th- and that is that is definitely the important thing there. Yeah, as long as you're having fun, yeah. there is no such thing as too much. However, however, if you expect <laughs> anyone else to read it, right? If I'm your dungeon master and you expect me to read your backstory yeah. and you stuff from it, one page is too much. Right. Yeah, that's like I feel like yeah. There there was a time in my life where heck yeah I would I would eat up a ten page backstory mm. and so on and so on. But right. like I'm not that's not me anymore. Yeah. I'm too busy. I I love that you're that excited. Sure. But I am not going to read it. Right. It's just that's a lot of extra work on top of everything else for the yeah. DM. So definitely don't do like the full biography before you talk to your DM about your character. Sure. Sure. You know, like maybe go to the DM with like the, like the keynotes that you want to have part of the adventure. Like mm-hmm. you said, I was like, okay, I, this, you know, I want, I want my character's like sister to be a big driving force in why he's an adventurer or something sure. like that. You know, like he's like, he, he, like his, parents died and he's taking care of his sister and he wants to go out and find a fortune so he can take care of his sister or something like that. Like, okay. That that's, that's a, an important part of the backstory. Make that known to the, to the DM and because yeah. they'll be like, Oh, okay. Your character has a sister. We can work with that at some point. And important to note, that was like two sentences. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's not, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to, you don't have to tell 
the tragic story of how the parents died. <laughs> right. And, you know, the names of all the henchmen of the evil villain that killed your, you know, your, you know, your parents and sure. And like what, what your sister was, dur- you know, where your sister went and was missing for several years. And then you found her and reunited. And they like that, you know, that if you're having fun, write that fine, yeah. but don't, you know, don't expect the DM to be able to fit every detail of that into your, yeah, into the adventure. Yeah. He's got other players to worry about too. Right. We had an episode. Oh, I feel like it was a long time ago where we talked about like how, it was basically the same thing, but for a dungeon master when building the world, like how much like history do you try to right. tell the players about um, you? If you want anybody to actually retain anything more than like a paragraph is just going to, it's just going to, their eyes are going to glaze over. Right. And once the campaign has started, that may be completely different. Once I know your character and once I've seen you play it a little bit. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'll find out. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly right. read a few pages about, you know, where you came from and so on and so on because I'm already invested. Mm-hmm. If I don't even know anything about your character and you're like, here's several pages, yeah. read it now. And I'm going to expect you to know these details enough to actually use them in part of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm sorry. It's, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, maybe some DMS will feel differently, but, you know, I guess it's always it's always important to remember that this is a cooperative storytelling game. So, yeah. like, if you write out like a bunch of details about your character's background, mm-hmm. maybe make sure that you're writing it with the idea of like none of this might come up. Like, it's possible not none of this will come up. It's possible yeah. you want to change some of this as the adventure goes on. The DM might introduce a character that like might fit better as like your character's like sister type character, you know, it's sure. like, Oh, okay. This, this NPC is more interesting than what I was making up for my character as, as far as like who he wants to go to battle for. Yeah. So like you might want to change a few things. So like have, you know, you can have your full written background if that's fun, but like keep it on hand just so that if the DM, you know, is looking for more information on your character, you have something at the ready. Yeah. Um, I think um, I would almost say don't write a backstory until like the third session. That's safe. Because, well, first off, you never know if you're going to even make it past the first session. Yeah. the fir- your, your character might die. Yeah. And then that 10 page backstory is down the drain. Yeah. Uh, the, the group might fall apart. Yep. It sucks, but it has happened to me many, many times. Right. We play one session and then that's it. Um, I'm sure it's happened to other groups as well. Or... You know, more, I, I would say more importantly, you might just realize like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of playing this character a bit more, a bit differently than I was originally right. envisioning. Maybe, you know, I, I was picturing my character as being like very conservative and, you know, soft spoken, but I'm actually kind of, it's more fun to play my character more brash and yeah. louder and so on. Right. Yeah. So you might want to wait at least to show it to anybody else. You might want to wait until you've played the character a bit and then tailor some stuff to how you've been playing the character. Also, like you were just saying, you might get into some of the DM's world building and meet the NPCs and such and be like, oh, this is actually, this fits better than what I said. Yeah. In my in my thing, I yeah, I had this sister. We lived in this uh, port city, but the DM just introduced this, we're going to this other city and there's an NPC there we're supposed to meet. I like that better. Hey, DM, can I say that that's the town I'm from? Right. And this NPC we're supposed to meet is someone I know from when we were kids. Right. And then, boom, you've you've not only given your character some backstory, but also you've tied yourself into the world that the DM yeah. has made. Now, of course, that requires the DM to have already done some work and for you to have read and, and you yeah. know, participated in the DM's world building. Yeah. You know, should the chicken come before the egg? Who knows? I don't, I don't know. But... <laughs> Um, I, I would recommend check with the DM, see what stuff they do have planned mm-hmm. and then try to build stuff off of that. As the campaign goes on, try to have a bare bones idea when the campaign first starts. Yeah. Like you just did a little, a few minutes ago, a, a few, a few sentences Yeah, of like, this is what my character's general, uh, general steez is. Yeah. I it's guess. like, what's, yeah, what's the, what's the motivation for adventuring, which is usually what a DM wants to know. Yeah. Like a DM should be asking like, okay, like usually it was session zero or the first session is like, okay, why are you guys adventuring? Sure. Part of that should be up to the the DM as well. But 
um, you know, so like having that just little bit like, oh, uh, well, I, I'm going adventuring because I need money to help, you know, raise my sister because we lost our parents. Sure. Done. You know, that's it. Um, some, I would say some things that are more important than like your actual backstory is your character's goals. Yeah. I, I think that every character should have at least a couple short-term goals mm-hmm. and a couple long-term goals. Yeah. And then at the very least that will tell the DM, the DM can be like, oh, one of your character's goals is to, um, I don't know, retrieve a, a family heirloom from this thing. Okay. That can be the first adventure or the second adventure. Mm-hmm. And then once, once you've gone on an adventure about your family, then people might be more interested. Like, Hey, what's, you know, what's your character's deal with your family? Right. And then you can, you know, lead into some of that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I definitely think you should give your character goals mm-hmm. in- instead of, or at least in addition to backstory, um, you should wait a little while before really getting your whole backstory out there just because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I would also say in a backstory, you should have some reason for why you know the other PCs. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can all just happen to have met up in a tavern that day. Sure. But yeah. it would it it would probably lead to a stronger campaign if in session zero, you all decide, okay, how do we know each other? Mm-hmm. And then, oh, well, I know him from here. I know this other character from this other thing. Yeah. And then once you've worked those out, then starting the first adventure, the DMs, most of their work is already done. Yeah. You know. So what just popped in my head as to like how DM, how uh, characters might know each other. Okay. Uh, is the, is the sort of like, Oh, you just met up in a tavern someday, yeah. but it's not like, it, you know, maybe it's not like as much as like, they just all walked in in the tavern at the same time one day <laughs> sure. and all met each other. This is the first time, like it's the first time meeting each other. It's the first time in the tavern. That's yeah. ridiculous. Maybe it's like a cheers situation. Okay. Where it's a bunch of people who have been to the same bar day after day and they all know each other. And then suddenly like an adventure happens to to a bunch of like drinking buddies. Okay. What I'm what I'm trying to get at, Gabe, here is <laughs> what if the cheer cast of Cheers was an adventuring party? Oh boy. <laughs> well, I know what uh, our social media question is gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be it'll be like uh 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 well I think I feel like we've done something like this, like celebrities. We we did um characters as uh like soup no uh Marvel characters or something? I don't remember it was Marvel characters. I don't remember. I remember we did something. We we came up with like fictional characters to make a good D and D group or yeah. something like that. And I think, I think I'll I'll come up not for this episode. I will come up with a social media question themed, yeah, similar to that. What maybe next episode? I think I, I, think I came um, up with a. I think I I can't remember exactly, but it was like Doctor House, Doctor Who. I think that's what it was. It and, was if you could make an adventuring party out of any fictional characters, right? Yeah, and then Doctor Mrs. the the Monarch was was my third right. one. Anyway, um, going with your uh, an alternative for the meeting up in a bar thing. Here's an idea I had when you just were okay. saying your thing. Um, what it's <laughs> what if it's that the PCs all did meet up in a bar last year. They went on an adventure last year oh. and it went terribly. It just went bad. But this year there's another quest and like things are going to be different. Well, and, and like the, whoever the quest giver is like, they're the ones that the, the quest giver, like, Oh, <gasps> I heard you knew you all knew each other. So I got you all together to go on this adventure. And then all of them are like, Oh, I, I haven't talked to that guy in about a year. Cause he kind of yeah. screwed us over last year. They could do like, um, uh, what's, what's the, what's the, it's at world's end, right? It's just the, the world's end. The world's end. Yeah. Sorry. Because it's the world's end is the name of the bar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, at world's end is Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And then this is the end. This is the end is that is other, a is... post-apocalyptic movie about, uh, Hollywood stars. Right. Having a party. That's anyway. ridiculous. Um, so, but it could be a like last hurrah sort of thing where okay. like they meet at a bar every year to try and go on an adventure and it just never takes <laughs> off. And now everybody's like in their, in like their middle age, like their middle age crisis. So like, this is really good. Jeff. So like the beginning of the adventure <laughs> is a bunch of middle-aged failed adventurers yeah. get together for one last hurrah. They're like, or like. They haven't, they, they tried it like several years in a row when they were in the, when they were younger mm-hmm. 
and then they haven't seen each other in years. Yeah. And then one of them gets gets wind of like an adventure that actually sounds like this could this could be it. We sure. could do this. We could totally do this. And Maybe. so they got to get the band back together. In their very first adventure, they fought a dragon and the dragon escaped. Yeah. So they didn't get paid because they were supposed <laughs> to kill the dragon. And now they found out the dragon's back. The dragon's back. Or like... They fight like the dragon. Like the dragon's probably old by now. He we, we can take him. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that works, right? I know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I think it's funny that that's not what this question was asking at all. Wait, was some, did somebody ask us a question? <laughs> what? Hold on, Jeff. We're recording right now. Oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> it was a. It was how about much backstory? backstory is too much. Um, if, <laughs> too much backstory is is uh, when you go on a tangent. <laughs> okay for for too long but i think we've come up with some great stuff is what i'm saying yeah so so you should still all listen to this episode um please don't leave (laughs) please don't leave uh yeah too much too much backstory yeah is too much backstory is when you've made enough that you were expecting to like if you're expecting too much from your backstory i don't know like it's it's like you really you really can't overdo it unless you're expecting it to all be there like yeah. in the adventure like you know i think that realistically speaking at the beginning when the campaign starts you should have one paragraph okay to describe your character and and what all they're about yeah you can have more in the hopper like you can have more in your in your the back of your right. mind yes. about what they're doing but i think that if you've written it down it should be in a document you can easily edit so right. that then after a few sessions, you can go back and you can change stuff to fit how you've been playing the character, fit the world you've been playing in and so on. Yeah. So like a paragraph to no more than like half a page, maybe yeah. if you're, if you're just, you know, if you're really into it. Right. But like anything beyond that, like, you know, have it be sort of up in the air, mm-hmm. you know, have a, have a solid paragraph. And sure. then if you want to go beyond that, have it sort of be like, you could take it or leave it. Yeah. And have it expand on stuff you've already said in that paragraph. Right. Don't have it be a bunch of new stuff. Right. Or whatever. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. Like, you know, like, you know, three pages into your, bi- you know, your character's biography, you mentioned the fact that you have a small fortune or something hidden <laughs> sure. away and like you bring it up to your DM. It's like, well, I gave you the, the sheet that yeah. said that I have, uh, you know, a thousand gold st- stored away. And don't get me wrong, like, I've written some long character backstories. A lot of the fiction that I wrote... He's still writing one right now. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Ignore my pen scratching. Um, A lot of my fiction that I wrote was a character that I made for a campaign or something Mm. that I've just decided to write a whole lot about. And, heck, I remember when I was in high school, my character Ichi, we had, in my creative writing class, we had an assignment where it was like, write a two or three page, you know, like a two or three page character... Uh, character write-up or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shoot, I'm just going to write about Ichi. And next thing I knew, it was like 12 pages long. I'm not saying that that's... You shouldn't do that. Mm. I'm just saying, if you expect anyone in your group to read it, then start small. Yeah. And then only build it bigger once um, once the campaign's actually been going. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, just because, yeah, I, I wouldn't want you... You were saying, like, don't expect a lot... Don't, like... Expect a lot from it. I wouldn't want you to be so excited that you wrote all this stuff and then be a little heartbroken when either your character dies, the campaign ends, or nobody is interested in reading it. Right. If it's just for your own fun, go, go hog wild. Yeah. Write whatever you enjoy writing. Yeah. And and I feel like you'll have those moments where like the DM might do something or bring up a character or something. And you, you are like, well, that probably would have been better suited for my character's background Mm -hmm. than somebody else's background or something like that. So sure. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to get too invested in your character. That is definitely true because things just change. Yeah. Things change a lot. When I, um, my character Artemis red sleeves, I had a, a, pretty i mean it was a it was a pretty bland character backstory but i had i had like a very in my mind a very strong trajectory for what that character was going to be and then halfway through the campaign it got completely upended and for you know for a little while i was really upset that like oh i'm not going to be able to play this character the way that i wanted to but then what i came up with 
with the changes that had happened through the campaign yeah. was so much better in every way. Right. So, you know, it's more organic. It's just, yeah. it's more fun because it's, it's part of the game and not just something you came up with. Sure. Um, because I always have to bring up the adventure zone, the, um, in that the, one of the main characters name is, uh, Magnus Burnsides mm-hmm. played by Travis McElroy, um, was apparently when they were, when they first started the campaign, he, he did this. He went and he wrote like a super long backstory for this character. And it was like really dark and sad and all this, whatever is uh-huh. all this angst and so on. But then when they actually played the thing, like McElroy's are wont to do, right. he, you know, it was very goofy or there was a lot more, it was very much more lighthearted and so on. And so he ended up scrapping basically all of it. Like some of it still did come into the, come into play later on in the game because mm. Griffin, the DM did read it. Right. And he did try to keep that in mind for future adventures. And eventually he was able to make something out of it. But Apparently what he had originally written was vastly different than the way he ended up playing the character. Mm. And I think that if he had played the character loyal to his backstory, it would have been a very different show and would not has been not have been as much fun to listen to. Yeah. So. Mm. So yeah, um do whatever is fun to you but just read the room, be be uh willing to change to adjust it as the game goes on. Yeah. You know, don't get too attached to whatever it is you already wrote. Uh, another answer for this question is okay. uh, how long is too long? About as long as it took for us to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> if it's that long, it's too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. So um, I think that'll do for our regular questions for today, but we do still have our social media questions. Our last social media question was, what is your favorite type of fantasy currency? Hmm. Do you recall what your answer was? Uh, I had recently watched The Mandalorian, I mm-hmm. think. So I saw there was the uh, the Mon Calamari flan, I think it was called. They're like the little yes. jelly pucks. That, that is correct. I was going to, I had, I recently found the name and I put it in our show notes. But, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I'm pretty it, sure that's what it is. I just, it was like this, like, like the like pearl, like iridescent, like sort of little jelly pucks and like the foley they used for it was very like yeah. doopy noise i don't know i was just i was like oh that's funny because yeah. he was ta- he was taking half of the bounty what the bounty was worth but he wanted a currency that was more relevant sure sure you know? I, thought, um, I thought that was kind of i thought that was i don't know i, I liked that little detail yeah no that. it's a so definitely a good bit of world building yeah they did there uh over on facebook we got just a few responses chris f dang our good friend chris oh, responded yeah. gill don't know why, but Gil just works for me. It's simple and it works. And for anybody who's not familiar with Gil, it's the currency from like the Final Fantasy series. Yeah. He goes on to say, I hated the D&D first and second edition overcomplicated monetary system because nobody used anything but gold anyway. Yeah. And that's a great point because there's like copper and there's silver. There's electrum, electrum gold and platinum. platinum. And astral diamonds. diamonds. Yeah. Who has ever used a platinum for anything? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like all of the prices are listed in gold. They could very easily just be like, oh yeah, a candle is 0.01 gold. Right. And everyone would understand it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like when you think of gold in D and D, like most of the time you're not carrying around sacks of gold. True. Or at least like. If you do, it's in bags of holding or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, you really would want to have that in like gemstones or something that like smaller, smaller objects, but are worth more. Oh, like an astral diamond, you mean? Well, <laughs> well, that cause that's just ridiculous because it's fourth yeah. edition and it was like billions of gold yeah, for it was pieces of equipment. Freaking ridiculous. Um, uh, Chris goes on to say, I also like resource role systems as I like to keep money a bit abstract because nobody wants to play ledgers and accountants. Yeah. So yeah, we talked about, um, like D 20 modern. I know had a, a stat that you would roll. And then if you succeed, you buy the thing that you wanted. Right. And then if you, when you succeed, you reduce that number or you reduce your modifier so that next time you have less money. Sure. To purchase with. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's definitely a, an elegant system. Um, like, cause it's, it's, it's like he said, you don't have to keep track of, oh, how many silver do I have? How many gold do I have? Right. You just, my modifier is this. Yeah. So you I have a modifier based on your income or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Elliot M says, don't know if it counts, but metal shards from Horizon Zero Dawn. I like how oh, it counts yeah. not only as currency, but also crafting material for all of your ammo. Yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't even think of this, but in the Souls games, Souls are both currency and experience. Right. Yeah, that's true. So that could... I don't know if I would say that's my favorite. I didn't even say what my favorite was. Well, yeah. I think my favorite is probably uh, iron coin or steel coins from uh, from Dragonlance. Oh, right. Yeah. I just think that's, yeah. that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, and that's yeah. uh, that's definitely similar to the... Uh, metal shards. Metal shards thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, Isla M says karma. <laughs> and then uh, Eric B responded, I'm broke. <laughs> so. Oh, no. <laughs> if only Reddit karma could be spent on something. Right. I've had a, ever since like a few years ago, I've had a lot of Reddit karma that is serving no purpose whatsoever. <laughs> Fake internet points. Yeah. Uh, Justin H says people. Um, um, Justin, I have to ask what your, uh, what, what business are you in? Justin souls. <laughs> yeah. Charles K responded with souls, which, you know, souls from, from, from yeah. dark souls, yeah. obviously not real souls. Yeah. But that <laughs> people you say <laughs> human resources. He's oh. A, oh, he's an HR. <laughs> I don't think he is, but <laughs> Uh, Sean M says, I don't really have one favorite. I do love imagining the dragon's horde as a variety of currency types interspersed with gems and crafted valuables. Mm. And I do too. I think, uh, you know, I, I love the idea of a giant pile of coins. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, yeah, you get that Scrooge McDuck thing going on. Yeah. Uh, over on Reddit, we only got one. Alistar the Minotaur says, this is from the Warhammer universe, but teeth. <laughs> the orcs in Warhammer are hysterical and absurd, and the fact that they use teeth uh, as their currency just fits their style perfectly. Yeah, the orcs are great. I love them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure at some point in human history where they used teeth, teeth. As, as currency. Teeth, you know, it's teeth. Anything that you know, anything that has value to the people. If it's that... orcs, you gotta talk like this. It's teeth. Over on Twitter, Kara Karn says, I'm not sure how loose we're being with the term fantasy, but I've always liked Fallout's bottle cap system. <laughs> it's simple and makes no less sense than us using slips of paper and round hunks of metal today. That's, hey, that's true. Steve and I have a, have a gag that we throw at each other every once in a while where it's just like a, a, a character who is like the guy who came up with the bottle cap system. Okay. He's like, I have all these bottle caps. I hope everybody's like agrees to this. Like... <laughs> I hope this really takes off because yeah. I'm re- I'm going to be rich if 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 the new currency is bottle caps. If I'm not mistaken, in Fallout Two, I haven't played it, but in Fallout Two, which does not use bottle caps, it uses like some other currency. You sure? I think so. Huh? Because I think Fallout One used bottle caps. Fallout Two didn't. Hmm. Because there is an Easter egg where you can find like a locked vault, not like a vault tech vault, but like you can find like a locked chamber that inside is a skeleton. That is just surrounded by thousands of bottle caps. Right. But it's, and they are they are worthless. They're in worthless that, in, in the that game. game. OK. So. Huh. I wonder. Uh, anyway, because I know in uh, Fallout. Three, I, I can't actually it might even be four. I'm not sure. In one of the newer fallouts, you come across a character who is trying to start credit. OK. <laughs> like he he basically sells you a credit card. Yeah. Any, it just he just takes your money. Like there's not like you don't get anything from it. It's just a guy who's like, well, see if you give me three hundred caps, I'll give you this card that's worth three hundred caps. Yeah, and then you're like, all right, and then he takes Sounds your money and you me. never see him again. Gotcha. That's pretty good. Um, that's Carl with a K says not fantasy, but according to legend, the Spartans apparently used iron bars as their currency to discourage hoarding of wealth. Mm. I think that's interesting. Right, yeah, because you'd want to use the iron for other. Yeah, stuff. you'd want to use it for stuff. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so like, I thought it was just because they're big and heavy, but right, that yeah. makes that makes a lot possibly that, more sense. That's there. There might be multiple reasons, but yeah, yeah. That, like because it's like, well, you're gonna want to use that iron to make weapons to. It's like to defend the, the rest of your wealth. Yeah, it's like if we if we uh, stopped using dollars and started using burgers. <laughs> and then you know one dollar equals one burger the, the you'd be able to smell rich people you would <laughs> um yeah because they'd smell bad because they have they're hoarding all of that <laughs> rotting meat. all the burgers all the burgers they've got all of them <laughs> and then uh roll for sanity on twitter says i have a pet peeve about fantasy currency mm. the higher the value of the coin the larger it is which is exactly the opposite of what it should be that being said i love having different coin shapes sure I, yeah. I'm actually not familiar with. I I was not aware that that was uh, 
it's how it should be. I don't know. Like, I, like you definitely want, like, you know, if if you have a bunch of money, you don't want it to weigh a lot, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think the idea is, like, you're using more and more precious metal to... It, that's a good point. You know, so like if you if it's a solid gold coin, you know, it's you'd want it to be pretty small to denominate the, you know, the amount of money. Sure, sure. Uh over on Discord, Adam B says the money my partner believes I have in my account and what my bank tells me I have in the account. Oh, that's a fantasy. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. Jason E. says, souls are the best fantasy currency. I ran an adventure where in order to get what they needed from a devil, they had to trade him five souls. Oh. It created a great moral dilemma. Right. And, you know, we've talked about, like, the, the soul series, like Dark Souls. Yeah, you, souls are just currency. you got, like, 20,000 souls. You spend them for whatever. Yeah. When you actually make those, act, each one is actually a soul. That, uh... Right. That, that changes things quite a bit. Because when you kill a demon and it's like, oh, cool, you got like 15,000 souls from that killing that demon. That's a little abstracted. Those aren't necessarily individual people's souls, but... Are they not, though? I don't know. Are they not? Because, like, the I think the idea is, like, you're killing something that has all has killed something that has collected souls, you know? I don't know. So, like, those could be individual souls. It's just they're being collected into one being because they keep, like, because that demon keeps killing other things. Maybe. If it killed 15,000 individual souls, it could, that's, it could just have those souls. And then, so when you kill it. If that were the case, I would recommend that the soul series put in a lot more bodies. A normal human (laughs) enemy that gives you one one soul. soul. Because there is, unless I'm mistaken, there are no enemies in the whole series that just give you one soul. It's always like, yeah, you kill a a a, child. Kill a mindless (laughs) zombie, he gives you like 10. Kill a kid. Whoops. One soul. Anyway, uh, but. I think making it more explicit yeah. is definitely the way to the way to do that. Uh, Dustin F says the gold coins from John Wick. One coin will get you anything from body disposal to allowing you into a secret assassin bar. Ooh, I, I you know I'm not seeing the John Wick series at all. I haven't seen any of them? No, but I but like the the gold coin system. That's the good boy. That's a good boy coin, right? So he's like, oh. you're you're a good boy. Here's a coin, and you can like you trade it in for like a favor. Basically, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Those are good, yeah. Good, good boy coins. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. That's you. I do recommend at least the first one. Sure. I've seen the second one. I didn't like it as much as the first one. Yeah. And it kind of necessitates a third one at that point. Sure. I think the first one by itself is like such a great movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I liked the gold coins. However, the vast range of things that they, a single coin would get you seemed a bit imbalanced yeah like yeah paying someone to dispose of a body for you is a big deal but then that paying that same amount just to get into a bar seems a bit right i don't know a bit bit weird to me i don't know like it's kind of interesting because it's you have to really think about it's like it's like having one wish yeah it's like you got to make sure it counts yeah I guess. it's like you get a wish but there's only one and you got to be careful because you don't know, like wishes are dangerous because you Get what you wish for. Yeah. So if you only got one, you can't have a second one to undo the crap that you, you know, you messed up with no, the first just one. Just wish for more. Just wish for more wishes. Yes. So you use the good boy coin to get more good boy coins. And if you can't wish. That does for, not make you a good boy. If though. you can't wish for more wishes, wish for more genies. <laughs> Sealskinkupo84 says, I once built a psionic panther, a reflavored tiger. Okay, wait. <laughs> pause, pause the episode. One more time. Stiltskin Koopo 84 says, I once built a psionic panther." A psionic panther, Which was a reflavored tiger. Okay. Because I know you're thinking, panther, Really? Excuse me. <laughs> uh, whose whole gig was that he was a gem cutter by trade. He had developed the art of carving his initials into one of the facets of the gem, along with whatever price he had appraised it for. I reasoned that this was how he could establish a brand name and avoid situations where shopkeepers were trying to buy the gem for less money than it was worth to him. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear any of that because my brain was echoing <laughs> psionic panther. Yeah. I think that's a, that's an interesting way of, uh, of of dealing with gems in a in a campaign. You just make a psionic panther. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you, make, you make a killing that way. Yep. 
And then uh, E Thompson 03 says, gold is just too simple not to use, in my opinion. Mm. And Petorius says, Franklin's. Franklin's? Ben Franklin's. $100 bills. Benjamin's. Benjamin's. Uh, Franklin's, apparently. All right. <laughs> um, and then uh, he had some emojis of dollar bills dollar, with wings on them, I think. Dollar bills, y'all. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. All right. That'll do it for uh, last week's social media question. This coming week's social media question is... What is your favorite type of armor? Mm, mm. My favorite armor type of armor. Well, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll give you my favorite armor from like basically like all of like fantasy gaming and stuff like that. Okay. Baldur's Gate 1 and keg armor. Okay. Because it was green. Yeah. And it was pretty dang good. And you had to like go and fight these ankegs and like get their scales and take them to a blacksmith and get them to, and get them to make it. And it was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, I I think it counted as, I don't know if it was half plate or full plate or something. It was, it was good armor and it was green and there was a cool, like you had to go and earn it. You had to like fight these monsters to get it. Sure. So I just remember, I remember that from the first Baldur's Gate game and I like that a lot. So, uh, I guess type of armor. I mean, you you can define this however, yeah. however you want. So, but no, I'll, I'll go with the Ankeg armor from uh, from uh, Baldur's Gate one. Cool. Um, my favorite is probably. Do you remember in Shackled City, there was this one picture of a woman that was basically wearing a bikini, and then her arm was <laughs> no, not not that one. Um, right, right, the full plate armor that the, just was, is just a bikini <clears throat> top, half plate, Jeff. Oh, I'm because sorry. Because half of her arms were covered. Right. Of course. No, no, that's awful. Um, probably my favorite, I would have to say, is banded mail. What banded is is banded is when you've got like strips of yeah. either metal or or something else. It's like the Colossus like kind of look. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Because I I think that I don't like the look of chainmail. Sure. I, I, I understand historically or whatever what it, its purpose was. Right. That's cool. But I never like how it looks. I never want to see somebody wearing chainmail in, in a game. I, I just don't think it looks cool. Like a, like a full chainmail thing. I don't know. Like like having like a chain shirt underneath like plates and stuff can be yeah. cool. But like, you know, like if it's fully chain armor, yeah, I think it, it's kind of boring. Yeah. And then like plate mail, if it is realistic, I don't think looks cool. Sure. Um, there's just so many freaking plates everywhere. Right. I mean, I, again, I understand it's. I understand its purpose. There's plates everywhere. But like some of them are dirty. We didn't even wash those. <laughs> this one's got food on it. Um, <laughs> but some like dried cheese or something. Ugh. It just it gets stuck on there. But aesthetically speaking, I really like the look of banded mail. I mm-hmm. think it it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Also scale mail. Scale is but, cool, but yeah. a little a little bit less. So I think banded mail is, is better. Yeah, I always like the aesthetics of like a hot like a cool hide like yeah. armor or something like that in in the there was a playstation 2 and xbox game i think called demon stone it was a D like hack and slash game okay there was late in the game there was a boss that was a big red dragon mm-hmm. that when you kill the dragon the next level you can buy red dragon armor for your fighter nice and so he's got armor made from the dragon that they just killed i think yeah. that's pretty cool yeah yeah anytime you're 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 wearing the thing that you just killed <laughs> i mean it's a little morbid uh, i mean I guess. but in fantasy like you know like yeah. dragon scale armor that's the coolest I mean, it's, it's cool but uh i don't know <laughs> not my thing i guess yeah so yeah hopefully uh some listeners out there have some mm. some good responses to that yeah or like the like the mountain dwarf armor or something was i forget it was like exotic armor. oh shoot it was called turtle armor oh yeah and it was it was a thing it, it was had to be made specifically for dwarves yeah and it had <laughs> it basically had like shields all over it right even like both arms just basically <laughs> were two giant shields right and it made you count as one larger size category when you were wearing it. Yeah, you had like five foot of movement or something ridiculous. Yep. Like, yeah, there were, there were like these exotic armors. I forget what book they were in. They must have been like in some third party. Races book. of Stone, maybe? maybe? Mercenaries, probably. I don't know. <laughs> Mercenaries. It was probably in Races of Stone. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah so so hopefully we get some, some cool answers from our listeners. Yep. And I think that'll do it for our questions for this week. But before we close out, let's uh, let's sit back, let's relax, let's take a deep breath. <sighs> <sighs> 
Let's remember those who have come before us, who have maybe given their lives so that we may have a better world to live in, as we toss another log onto the funeral pyre. Today's funeral pyre story was submitted by Collins B via Discord. And Colin says, uh, I'm back here much sooner than I expected. Ideally, I never come back, but here we are. But never fear, for I have a unique funeral pyre this time. The show's first and second Star Wars character death. Wait, what? I think we've had a couple other Star Wars character deaths. Oh, sure. Maybe, maybe not. I could be wrong. I'm not that. I know, we've, we've done, there's some, been some sci-fi ones for sure. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, anyway. Uh, this is from the Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars tabletop RPG. For anybody who wants to hear us talk about the Star Wars uh, RPGs, we did it a long time ago. We'll never do it again. <laughs> uh, the crew of the Dathomir Paramount consisted Ooh. of four members. Kongu, the blue-skinned Pantheran practitioner of Night Sister Magic. Yep. And I think Kongu has shown up in, in a, maybe a funeral pyre before. I don't know. I don't know if he was the one that died or... Maybe he's a different version of this character. I don't know. I don't know. But then that name has come up before. Kongu. Uh, so Kongu. Khan, the ex-Death Watch Mandalorian. Kraken, the red-skinned Nautolian. Nautolan. Think Kit Fisto. Dark Side user. And Selene, a Mandalorian Jedi. So a lot of yeah. wide range of stuff <laughs> there. The party was meeting a contact in a cantina on level 1313 of Coruscant when they were attacked by a lightsaber-wielding Jedi hunter. Selene had waited outside the cantina and was attacked first and instantly decapitated. Uh-oh. Combat is super swingy in this game. Yeah. The Jedi hunter was defeated by Kraken, and the party left to their next objective, investigating an abandoned Jedi temple in the Unknown Regions. They arrived, and after the usual weird Force stuff, Kongu and Kraken found themselves separated inside a temple shaped like crossed lightsabers, one at each hilt. Making their way through, they faced several challenges, and at the cross-section encountered the final test. They had to engage in lethal inter-party conflict. Oh no. Kraken, being a dark side user, didn't hesitate and rushed Kongu, who defended himself. After several rounds of intense lightsaber combat, Kongu managed to disarm both of Kraken's lightsabers, and with the whispers of the Night Sisters guiding him, struck a fatal blow, but not a killing blow, leaving Kraken to slowly expire on the temple floor as Kongu continued deep into the temple, plagued by the guilt of killing his former comrade. Oh. Well, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading second episode. I'm like, oh, oh does this keep going? <laughs> <laughs> nope okay. so, so there you go oh man uh, uh yeah so um that's <laughs> that's why i don't know uh light side and dark side jedi don't work together yeah i guess so um, <laughs> all right well um actually what's the send off i should yeah. use for this one uh uh Okay. <clears throat> it's not gonna be a funny one but yeah. uh, all right so let's let's raise a uh, glass or maybe two glasses in memory of Selene the Mandalorian Jedi and Kraken the Nautilin dark side user as they think to themselves I am one with the force and the force is with me clink <laughs> clink oh no okay <laughs> sorry it's <laughs> fine all right, well, that'll do it for today. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for a funeral pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. You can join the discussion on social media. You can find us on Facebook. We're on Reddit. We have our interparty discord at bit.ly slash interpartydiscord, or we're on Twitter at inpartyconflict. You can check those for our social media questions every week, and if you answer them, your answers might end up on the show. Find us on the podcatcher of your choice. We're on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you get podcasts, really. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. We would love some word-of-mouth advertisement. 
That would be awesome. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. We have a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is a YouTube channel where we play video games. Yes. Speaking of video games, check out my side project, the Arcade Memories Podcast. If you'd like to submit anything for the podcast, you can record it and send it to me at arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show, what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time, may the Schwartz be with you.